Hi, my name is Jessica, and this is my church. Today I'll be reading from Psalm 96. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and beauty are in His sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exalt and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for He comes. For He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in His faithfulness. Uh, hey everybody, good morning and uh, welcome to Christ Community Chapel. I am uh, really uh, glad that you are here. Uh, thanks for coming on this July 4th weekend. Welcome those of you at our East service, those of you who are tuning in online. Uh, welcome. All right, I have a couple of very uh, cool things to share with you before I get to the message. The first one is that this past Thursday and Friday, uh, our church uh, hosted uh, a church conference for people from Bhutan and Nepal. Uh, they have an annual church conference of uh, all the Nepalese and uh, the, the people who have come over and immigrated here to the States who are Christians, and they gathered. They asked if they could use our building. They gathered here. There are like 1,200 people here. It was wild. I had uh, the great privilege of speaking to them, and when I spoke to them, uh, I said that, you know, in the book of Revelation... Uh, there's a scene that the Apostle John describes of a huge crowd surrounding the throne of God. And the crowd is described as uh, people from every tongue and tribe and people and nation. And with 1,200 uh, people uh, who are here who spoke a different language, I felt like I had wandered into that part of the crowd that was surrounding the throne of God. There were brothers and sisters that I had never met. Uh, I just think heaven uh, will be amazing. Uh, you can quote me on that, all right? Uh, second uh, cool thing, this is really exciting. I think our church is growing. Uh, you can sense it. You know, we had an outdoor service two weeks ago. We have some photos from the outdoor service. Uh, it was amazing. It was a little bit like looking at uh, out on Blossom Music Center on a concert night. Uh, it was great. Uh, we have uh, times where here at the 10 o'clock hour, we turn people away because we don't have space for them. And because of that, uh, this fall, we are launching a Thursday night worship service. A Thursday night worship service will be exactly like a West service here on Sunday. Complete kids ministry will be just like 
Sunday. We're going to migrate all the things that happen on Wednesday night to Thursday night so that women's Bible study that happens on Wednesday night will now happen on Thursday night. Uh, Men's fraternity will happen on Thursday night. Reimagine class, uh, theology class, grandparents ministry, all of that. Uh, It will be hopping. We're doing that for two reasons. Uh, One is to try to relieve some of the overcrowding to make space. Uh, But the more important reason is that we are wanting to provide something for people who cannot come to worship on the weekend. And that means the, the friends and neighbors that you have whose work schedule, whether they're in the service industry or maybe in the medical community or whatever, they can't come. Maybe their kids are involved with uh, travel soccer or baseball or AAU basketball, and they're gone for months at a time on the weekends. We want you to bring them to the Thursday night service. So what I want you to do is start thinking now about the people that you can invite to come to Thursday night. All right? Uh, Think about it. Pray about it. September 14th will be our very first Thursday night service. All right? It's going to be cool. All right. Yeah. (laughs) You clapped because I clapped. I didn't mean to. It just happened. All right. We are continuing our series in the Psalms. Uh, We are at Psalm 96. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Psalm 96. If you are going to use one of our Bibles here in the sanctuary or over in the back of East Hall, it's on page 467, page 467, all right? Uh, The Psalms are are almost all prayers, and this is a psalm of praise, so we are calling this message, Praying Our Praise, Praying Our Praise. And let me uh, start by just, you heard it read to you, let me just reread a couple of the verses, and then I'm going to tell you the three points that I want to pull out of this psalm. It starts out, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And then verse 11. Let the heavens be glad, let the earth rejoice, let the sea roar and all that fills it, let the field exult and everything in it. Then all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes. All right. Here are my three points. If you're a note taker or if you just want to know where I'm going, I want to talk about why we praise, how we praise, and what happens when we praise. Okay, why we praise, how we praise, what happens when we praise. First, why we praise. Uh, Praise, in its simplest kind of definition, is ascribing value to something. It's declaring the greatness of something. The psalmist says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. As human beings, we are hardwired for praise. One of my favorite things about little kids in general and about my youngest grandson, Ezekiel, who's like 21 months in particular, is how easily impressed they are. And whenever my grandson, Ezekiel, is impressed, he does the same thing. He just stops and he says, whoa. Right? I start the lawnmower. He goes, whoa. We have a, we have a wand, this... Uh, 
If you're a grandparent, you need to get one of these. It's a bubble wand. You put it in soapy water and you pull it like slowly like this and it, you know, these huge bubbles come out. And when those huge bubbles come out, Ezekiel's just like, whoa, right? Uh, we don't lose that completely as we grow older. We kind of put it underneath a little bit. Like I watch Sports Center and I see the top 10 inside my mind. Sometimes I'm going, okay, whoa, right? Uh, July 4th, I mean, if there are fireworks tonight, the fireworks are designed for kids and adults both to go, ooh, whoa, right? All that is because you're hardwired for praise, but you're not the only one. If you read what the psalmist says, he says, the heavens are glad, the earth rejoices, the ocean roars, the trees sing. What he's saying is that everything in the entire universe is wired for praise. It's just wired for praise. And what the psalmist is trying to do is to tell all of us, he's like giving an inventory of the greatness of God. And he's saying, just open your eyes, just take a look. What he's trying to do is say, you should look at all that God has done and who God is. He's trying to get us all to say, whoa. I read this analogy this week. It's a great analogy, I think. Imagine a woman who inherits a piece of jewelry. Uh, let's say it's a, a brooch of some kind. And she doesn't even, the family doesn't even know where it came from or its origin. Most of the time, they didn't even know where it was. But she is the one who inherited this brooch. And she finally decides to go and get it appraised. So she takes it to a jeweler. And the jeweler takes it in his hand and he puts the loop in his eye and he begins to look and study the brooch and he sees the way the light is refracted. He, he studies the cuts and the angles of the cuts, the color, the texture, bit by bit he's going over this brooch and then suddenly he pulls the loop out of his eye and his hands begin to tremble and he gets short of breath because he realizes that what he has in his hand is absolutely priceless. It's more valuable than all the jewels he has ever held. That's what the psalmist is trying to do. The psalmist is saying, from the time you were a child, you've been wired to see greatness. Open your eyes. Look at all that God has. The poet Elizabeth Barrett Browning wrote a poem, and I only remember a little scrap of it. But she says, uh, earth is crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. What she's saying is that there is holiness, there is wonder, there is glory all around you. Look at it. You're hardwired to. That's why we praise. Then the second point is how we praise. This is what the psalmist says, verse 2 and 3. He says, Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. And then verse 8, ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name, bring an offering, and come into his courts. The psalmist says, if you want to praise, you do uh, four things. Sing, tell, declare, and give. Sing, tell, Declare and give. Let me just spend a couple of minutes on each one of those. First, the psalmist says, sing to the Lord. <laughs> what a weird thing. 
right? I mean, just singing in general. If you want to know why we sing every time you come to a worship service, this is why. There, there is something that happens when we sing that doesn't happen any other time. Oh, and by the way, this is one of the casualties if you watch online, and you should know this. I noticed this when I was on sabbatical, is that I would tune in for a service, but during the worship time, I would watch it, but I didn't sing. One, it just seemed too weird to be singing by myself, especially with my voice, right? I need you guys all around me to actually worship and sing. Actually, I think we all do. No matter how good your voice is, there is something that happens when all of us worship, right? But the question is, what is it that happens? And I have a good friend whose dad uh, had a stroke, and for the last 17 years of his life, he couldn't speak. Couldn't speak. But my friend told me that every Christmas Eve, he would take his dad to church, and when the, the familiar Christmas carols began, his dad would begin to sing. My friend said he would stand beside his dad with tears streaming down his face because he felt like just for that one hour, he would have his dad back. Right? That's not uncommon with stroke victims or people with Alzheimer's. There's something about music, something about singing that impacts a different part of your brain, a different part of who you are. Right? That's why they give awards for soundtracks for movies because a movie like Titanic would be a completely different movie without the music. You know, I had the, the worship team uh, do that So Will I song because I remember uh, months ago, our worship and production team uh, put together that and I didn't know it was going to happen with all the images that were going across the screen and I loved it. So I asked them, could you do it for this service? But I also wanted to show you a clip of what we saw during so am I, but I want you to see it without music first. Go ahead and show the clip. Okay, now show the same clip with sound. does something different, right? God wants all of you. So the first thing the psalmist says, if you're going to praise God, go ahead and sing. Sing. But then he goes on and he says uh, this, verse 2, sing, in the, sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. He says, tell of his salvation. I, I remember hearing a sermon by a black preacher named Evie Hill. E.V. Hill, uh, during his life, was considered maybe the best preacher in all of America. Uh, he was astounding, not just for what he said, but how he said it. 
But I remember this sermon that he gave, and the sermon title was When God Was at His Best. You should look it up, but I'm going to give you some of it. And he starts out with uh, Genesis and with creation. And he talks about how God created all that is out of nothingness. How he, star- how he threw the stars into space. How he created the oceans and the mountains. How he created all that is. And then he said, surely this is when God was at his best. And then he would hesitate. Then he said, me thinks not. Me thinks not. And then he went on all the way through the Old Testament. He gets to the the incarnation of Jesus when God becomes flesh. And he says, surely this is when God was at his best. And then he says, methinks not. And then he goes through all the miracles of Jesus, how he had the blind see and the lame walk and cleanse the lepers and raise the dead. And he gets to a crescendo and he says, surely this is when God was at his best. And he says, methinks not. You got to imagine he's speaking to a huge crowd of African-Americans and they respond differently than we do, right? (laughs) They are like shouting back to him. And then he gets to the cross where Jesus gives his body, his blood for us, for atonement. And he gets to that and he says, surely this is when God was at his best. He says, me thinks not. And finally he gets to the resurrection. And the first time I heard it, I was going, ah, yeah, that's where he's been going. And he gets through the resurrection when God, when Jesus steps out of the tomb and death is vanquished once and for all, for all. And then he says, surely God was at his best. He says, me thinks not. And then he says to this huge crowd, do you want to know when God was at his best? People are just, they're coming unglued, right? They're saying, tell us, preach it. And he says this, On a Thursday morning, on a country road, outside of Sweet Town, Texas, when an 11-year-old boy knelt down on that country road and said, God, save me. And that great big God saved that poor little boy. God was at his best. When I heard that, when I watched it, listened to it again, tears sprang from my eyes because when God was at his best was when he saved you. Out of all people, when he saved me, of all people, that great big God who created all that is and all the images we saw loves you and showed his love. The psalmist says, if you want to praise, you want to learn how to worship, tell of his salvation. Tell it to yourself every day. It will change you. It will change me. That's what he says. First, he says, you want to praise God, sing. Sing. You want to praise God, tell of his salvation. And then the next thing he says, declare. Verse 3, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. What the psalmist says is you need to tell other people because more people means more praise. 
That's why we're doing a Thursday night worship service to impact more people. It's why we want to plant 60 churches in Northeast Ohio. It's why we've already planted Revolution Church in Cleveland Heights. It's why we're going to plant Clearview Church in Euclid by the end of the year to declare his glory. It's why we let the Nepalese use our church building, why we're going to give $30 million to global missions by the year 2050 to declare the glory of God to the nations. Right? The psalmist says, you want to learn how to praise Sing, tell of his salvation, declare his glory among the nations. And finally, the psalmist says, give, verse 8, ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name, bring an offering, and come into his courts. I was in an airport uh, this past Tuesday, getting ready to come back to Hudson. And uh, there was a, I was sitting there, and there was a couple that were standing in front of me. And uh, the woman uh, had a Taylor Swift concert tour t-shirt on. And uh, there was an older man sitting next to me, and he said, excuse me, miss, did you go to one of Taylor Swift's concerts? And this woman said, yes, I did. And he said, I've been reading how expensive those tickets were. Was it worth it? And this woman said, absolutely, absolutely. That piqued my interest, so I, I looked up how much Uh, Taylor Swift concert tickets cost on StubHub. And the average ticket cost for a Taylor Swift concert right now, according to StubHub, $1,930 for one ticket. Why would anybody pay $1,930? You know why? They're ascribing value. They're saying, was it? In answer to the question, was it worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely. The psalmist says, you want to learn to praise? You got to learn to give. Right? We always put our money into what we really value. You do, I do. Jesus would say, listen, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The psalmist says, you want to learn to praise? Oh, learn to sing. Learn to tell of his salvation to yourself. Declare his glory among the nations. And maybe it goes in that order. But I'll tell you what, if you are telling yourself of his salvation and you are saying God was at his best when that great big God came and saved me, and, it, and you, cannot, or you cannot give, I don't know. That's what the psalmist says. This is how you give. Now the question is, what happens when we give? Uh, In the movie uh, Harry Potter, the first Harry Potter movie, uh, and the first book, uh, there's a mirror called the Mirror of Erised. It's a magic mirror. Erised is actually the word desire spelled backwards. And uh, Harry Potter finds this mirror, and he looks in it, expecting to see a reflection of himself like a normal mirror, but instead, he sees his parents and him. And uh, 
He's shocked by that because his parents actually died when Harry was a baby and he never really knew them. But in the mirror, when he's looking in the mirror, his parents are with him and they have their arms around him. They're loving him and caring for him. And so Harry Potter runs and gets his good friend Ron Weasley and says, you got to look in the mirror. I've seen my family. I saw my parents. And so Ron Weasley looks in the mirror, but instead of seeing Harry Potter's family, uh, Ron Weasley sees himself being the, cha- the sports champion of the school, being carried on people's shoulders, and they can't understand what's going on. And then they realize, and this is why it's called the mirror of Erised, which is desire, that anybody who looked in that mirror would see their deepest desire, their most desperate desire, the thing that they think they need in order to be fulfilled. If that mirror existed, and I was to start over here and then pass it around and every one of us looked into the mirror, whatever you would see is what you really worship. Right? Because you would be saying, this is my most desperate desire. This is what I feel like I need in order to be what I want to be. Listen, the world is not divided between people who worship and people who don't worship. Everybody worships. The world is divided between people who worship the one true God worthy of worship and people who worship something less than God that they think they need that only ends up distorting their lives over time. The Bible will say that your biggest problem, my biggest problem, is what we are worshiping at any given moment. And the more I'm able to transfer my worship from the things that I think I desperately want, whether it's my family or my children or my career or my success or my health or anything, the more I'm able to transfer that to Jesus, the healthier I become. The psalmist says that the heavens are glad, the earth rejoices, the oceans roar, the trees sing, the nations declare. The more I join in that, the more, uh, the less out of joint I am, and the more I become a part of this flood of praise going toward God. So worship, sing. We're going to sing in just a minute, tell of of his salvation. Declare his glory among the nations. Give. You are already worshiping. You are already worshiping. Worship the only one who is worthy. Worship Jesus. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father in heaven, uh, we come to you, and I, uh, I really want to be a person that every day, in one way or another, I look at you and I say, whoa. Whether I'm looking at uh, creation or I'm reminding myself of the love that you have had for me, or I look up at the stars of heaven, whatever it is, I pray that we will all become people 
who are stunned by your greatness. Uh, teach us uh, to worship well, uh, to sing, to open up that part of us, to remind ourselves of when you were at your very best, when you saved us, to declare your glory among the nations and to give what we have because you deserve it, because we value you. So thank you. Thanks for Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.